We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Thank you guys so much for all of that music and faithfulness throughout all the years. Don't they good, do a good job? They do, don't they? Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Yes. I told one of these men that plays the guitar, I started playing at 10, and I didn't get any better after 11. I just really didn't. Uh, so I really admire those who can play those instruments well. Memorial Day weekend. Uh, this last week I spent, uh, I had a lunch with 450 veterans. And they walked into um, a church in Fort Worth. The, the luncheon was held in their honor. And I stood on the front porch. Pastor Mel was there and I was going to be with him and the lady that brought him. And I stood out there to wait for them in the parking lot. As, as I did, I watched all of these veterans, men and women, but mostly older men, walking past me, and I said, hello, sir, thank you for your service. And another group would come, hello, sir, thank you for your service. And all those men, I just uh, was really moved with emotion. There were World War II veterans there. That were, One of them was 102. They had a birthday cake for him. Uh, there were Korean veterans, Vietnam, and all the other campaigns. There was active veterans that were there, and I got to shake hands and thank them for standing in the gap for us right now. Uh, so that you and I can have the freedoms that we have. And I was uh, really moved. They had a great speaker that talked uh, with us. Uh, and it was just a very, very special time for me. And I was telling the guys back there that uh, when I was driving home, I said goodbye to everyone. And I was just, the speaker was really good talking about his uh, experiences in Korea. And, and he talked about how God spared his life. And a man that was next to him that he had only met the day before, he said, be sure and don't get in front of me, whatever you do. And when some of the firing came, that man got wrecked right next to him. And he wasn't supposed to do that. He didn't even know who he was. He wasn't dressed like the military people, the rest of his company or the rest of his group. But right when they came under attack, he got right next to him. And uh, explosion took place and shrapnel came and killed that man and hit this man who had told him, don't get in front of me, because he didn't want him to be harmed. He sought trying to find out who that man was the next morning through all the military records because they give an account of those that are killed in action and nobody knew who he was. There was no record of him, no record of anyone killed in that campaign. And that man said, this tough Korean soldier, he said, I think God might have just sent an angel to spare my life. Who knows what God has done in all those circumstances. But I want to remind you of a man years ago that uh, was a blessing to me, uh, hearing about him. I didn't know him personally. But his name is Jeremiah Denton. I've talked about him in other venues here in the church. He's not related to the town Denton, but his name was Jeremiah Denton. He just passed away a few years ago as a, as a, a vice admiral, I believe. But in, in, on July 18th of 1965, his plane was shot down over communist Vietnam, uh, Vietnam. And for the next eight years, at that time, he was the longest held prisoner in captivity uh, of any of our campaigns. For the next eight years, he was a POW. Four of those years were in a three-by-nine cell. He was locked in chains every night. Uh, Ronald Reagan, you can, you can look this up, in his State of the Union address in 1982, had that man there. He, I think he ended up being a senator possibly. And, but uh, he, he talked about, we watched on television as the first uh, POWs were released and brought back home. 
And he said, who cannot remember Jeremiah Denton? If you remember, uh, the North Vietnamese Communist Party put him on television. They tried to clean him up a little bit and they tried to get him to, to answer questions. And uh, it was, a, I think, a Japanese reporter there. And if you remember, as he said, and you, you can watch all this also, I've watched it many times. He said, I don't know what's happening in the war right now, but I support my government and whatever our country is doing, I'm a part of them and I support that. Now that's in communist POW uh, tor- uh, camp. And while he is giving that video that played back here in the United States, he's blinking his eyes much. And he was blinking Morse code that said torture. That's the man that I'm talking about. So he came back by God's grace and some of his men came back, released from the POW camps. He comes up to the microphone they had as he came off the plane and he said these words. As he saluted the flag, he said, we're honored to have had the opportunity to serve our country under difficult circumstances. I would say so. We are profoundly grateful to our commander in chief and to our nation for this day. God bless America. And I'm grateful for men like Jeremiah Denton. He has a book. I'll tell you the title later if you'd like to know. He talks about how God worked in his life during that time. He was faithful to share with other men. He, he held on to, to the Lord during that time and uh, went around the world after that in sharing uh, some of those experiences. That man got to come home, but many didn't. <clears throat> but there was a song written about him, and that's what I wanted to read the words of this song before I uh, look at Ephesians. And it's called An Honor to Serve. It's an honor to serve. And we're here tonight, and I'm here, the last message that I get to preach on a Sunday night, which I'm very grateful. I'm grateful to Tommy, our pastor, for the day that I walked in his office. I can't even remember what I walked in there to talk to him about. But he hit me in his chest like he does sometimes. And he said, you, evening service, about four years ago. And I I just am very, very grateful because I take that as a high honor. This song was written about this POW, and listen to these words. He was just a young man when he first heard the call. Come and join in the battle. Come and give us your all. And he rose up to follow, leaving all else behind, and he joined in this song when he reached the front lines. It's an honor to serve, to join in the fight, to lift up my voice and to lay down my life, giving glory to God, seeking none in return. It's an honor, an honor to serve. Now the day he was captured, they locked him in chains, and though weeks turned to years, still his faith stayed the same. As his body was broken, his dark hair turned gray, but each night in his cell, he would stand up and say, it's an honor to serve, to join in the fight, to lift up my voice and to lay down my life, giving glory to God, seeking none in return. It's an honor, an honor to serve. Now one day the war finally came to an end, and he spoke with his heart, as he stood with his men. We are honored to have had the opportunity to serve our country under difficult circumstances. We are profoundly grateful to our commander-in-chief, to our nation for this day. God bless America. And as they lifted the flag at the front of the crowd, I watched him stand up and bring his hand to his brow. Oh, Lord, help me remember what true honor means. And no matter the cost, to stand up and sing. It's an honor to serve. We are here tonight as brothers and sisters in Christ. We have been given the most, the pearl of great price, the most precious gift 
that humanity has ever known, and that's Jesus, who died on Calvary for us, that we could be forgiven and rescued. Jesus came on the greatest search and rescue mission the universe has ever known, and he came to redeem us and to pull us out of the domain of darkness and to put us in the kingdom of his light, and he's called us to serve him. And I want you to join with me tonight, and I join with you as my brothers and sisters and say to Jesus, thank you for the privilege of being called a Christian. Thank you for letting us know that our sins are forgiven. Thank you, dear Jesus. It's an honor to serve you. That's what Paul's talking about in this passage that I read to you. We're going to see a few things about service. And this applies to the Apostle Paul, but it also applies to you. It applies to me. And I hope these words will just jump off the page to you. In the beginning of that passage, I read to you, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. One of the first things we see in here is that God, as a servant, you and I are, and as Paul was, he positions us where he wants us to serve. Many of you are positioned in Denton Bible. God placed you. The steps of good people are ordered by the Lord. It's not an accident where you're at. It's not an accident, the ministry you get to serve in. We are positioned by God. And I think about my life, and I won't go back into all of those things, but uh, as a 16-year-old teenager, I knew that God had called me into the ministry. I didn't know what all that, that meant, and I began preaching Full-time at 19, I wouldn't recommend that. But uh, and, and the other thing is, I'm glad they're not recordings. Oh, I do have a recording or two, but uh, he positions you where he wants to use you. And you may be the only one in that place where God wants you. Does he position you in other countries as missionaries sometimes? Praise God for that. Does he position you sometimes to have these wonderful grandchildren with you? Thank you, guys, for coming and being with your grandmother. He positions you. Does he position you, Kay? By the way, I think it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Does he position you sometimes down there with Samaritan Purse to help when there's a cleanup after a hurricane or something like that? He does. He positions you. Ray, did he position you in another country for a long time, and now he's got you working with people from other countries? So Paul is saying here that I am in a place and you and I say, praise God, he's put me here in Denton Bible. He's put me in Austria. He's put me, guess where, where Paul was positioned? In prison. How many of us would have said, now wait a minute, that's not what I signed up for. I, I, that's not what I thought was going to happen. I want to promise you something. As a servant of Christ, in the ministry, and we're all in the ministry if we're serving him, it's not going to be easy all the time. Everybody's not going to love you. You're going to be loved by many, many great people, but it's going to have some hard days. Paul said, I'm a prisoner. You know what he could have written there? He could have said, I'm a prisoner of Rome. But he didn't say that. He said, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Paul was going to be the one that was going to give the message that not just Jews are going to be able to know their Messiah, but the Gentiles are going to be able to be saved also. And he went around the world the rest of his life sharing that that message. But he calls himself the prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. That's not what you think of in ministry. Oh, Lord, please send me to a good jail. 
No, that's not what we ask for. It's not what we pray for. But I can't help but think, uh, did you know at this time right now, Paul is a POW. He is a prisoner of war. There is a spiritual war against the gospel, against Christ, against the apostles. He wrote probably 13 books of the New Testament. Four of those books were written while he was in prison. I love where the scripture talks about he was there with the king's men and the people that, uh, uh, that, that were around him. And the last part of one of those letters, and he said, those of that household, they greet you also. Guess what had happened? Some of those Romans had come to know Christ. How would you like to be guarding the apostle Paul and not expect to, to hear the gospel? It's not gonna happen, is it? So the first thing is, I wanna encourage you, serve where God plants you, where he positions you. And many of you, I'm so grateful for all of you that have been so faithful to the evening service. I just wanna encourage you, don't miss a step. You get with Penny if you need to, and I'm grateful for her. Let's plug in, let's serve, let's see the next place God would position you because the only place to be is where he wants us to be. Would you agree? Right in the center of his will. So the first thing God does as a servant of Christ here in this passage is he positioned Paul in that place. And he said, indeed, you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. Uh, you may be positioned at a school. God wants you there. It's like you're a secret agent for the Lord. He wants you there and he'll use you there. You may be positioned in the church. You may be positioned in a job or the government. You may be positioned in your family. You're the one that God's placed and he wants to use you right now as a servant to your family. I heard about a grandmother not long ago and she was getting up in age and they said, why uh, do you want to go home and be with Jesus? Yes, I do, but I, I don't want him to come right now because, and they said, why? Because I want to make sure that there's somebody praying for my grandchildren. And as long as I'm alive, I'm going to be praying for my grandchildren. Wasn't that a great answer? I want to go be with Jesus, but I, I want to be here praying for my little ones too. She was positioned. And that's what Paul was. He happened to be positioned in the jail. And he goes on to talk about how God had revealed to the, uh, the apostles and the prophets that the Gentiles are going to be fellow heirs, fellow members, fellow partakers. And that's another point I want to make is that we as servants of Christ, we're all in this together. The only difference in me and you right now is I'm standing up. That's the only difference. We're all servants of Christ. We're all valuable. There's not a hierarchy where there's varsity and junior varsity and somebody's better and somebody's worse. We're all fellow members, brothers and sisters in the work and the household of God. And that's what Paul's saying here. You Gentiles, you're going to get to come also. Ollie and I on Easter attended the church where our kids go. And uh, they had, I have never seen so many donuts in my life. Easter morning, they had donuts in boxes piled up to the ceiling almost. And then our son-in-law went down to the other end of the foyer there, and he came back. He said, you're not going to believe it. I just saw the biggest pile of bacon that there ever could be in the world. They were serving donuts and bacon for Easter. You could smell that bacon all the way through the, the church house. I thought that was a pretty good idea, you know. Uh, when the pastor got up to preach, he said, aren't you glad that we're in the new covenant and we can have pork now? <laughs> Everybody said, amen to that one. But the Gentiles were gonna get saved. 
when Paul had that message. He was put in the right place. And so I just want to encourage you, you are a servant of Jesus Christ. You are enlisted in his army and wherever he wants you to be, that's the will of God for you. It could be in another country. It could be right here. It could be across town. It could be in school, job. It's your family. You may be the very one that God wants to use. Listen to this about Paul being put placed. In Galatians 1.15, it says, But when God, who had set me apart from my mother's womb, Paul said, He knew me before I was even born, and called me through His grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. He said, when God did a work in me and he called me to be saved, I didn't have to go and ask somebody else because God had done that work inside of me. It pleased God. Is what Paul said, when it pleased God to save him. So that's number one. As a servant of Christ, Paul was positioned. It just so happened he was positioned in a jail. Number two, look with me there. It says, uh, according to the gift of God's grace, the last of verse seven, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the least, very least of all saints, this grace was given. Paul didn't say, I hurried up and got to the seminary. I got educated. I read all of the books I'm supposed to read. And now I am equipped, thoroughly uh, furnished to be this great servant of God. He said, God gave me a gift. And that gift had power in it, according to the working of his power. Today, we not only this weekend celebrate uh, Memorial Day in our country, but we also remember this is the day of Pentecost, the day that, that Pentecost is remembered, the birth of the church. The Holy Spirit was given in Acts chapter 1. Go and to stay, Jesus told his disciples, go and stay in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Did Peter need power from on high? Uh, I relate with Peter a lot. All through the Gospels, Peter kind of crashed and burned. You remember? You'll never wash my feet to Jesus. Jesus said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you don't have any part of me. Well, wash all of me then. <laughs> That's about the way I am. I get it wrong most of the time, and God has to just pull me back in. But by God's grace, Peter needed power. He denied Jesus three times. You remember that? I don't even know the man. Began to curse and swear. And, and, and he was afraid he was going to die and he ran away. But at the Mount of Primacy, right north of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus asked him those three times, Peter, do you love me? And Jesus restored Peter. And you know what? After Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power from on high to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. You know what it said about those 12 apostles? They turned the world upside down. I love that because they got power. You don't see Peter after that running and, and hiding. You don't see him denying Jesus. In fact, they took Peter and someone with him and they beat them. And they said, do not speak in the name of Jesus Christ anymore. Did you know? That wouldn't happen in our world. Do you know right now, if they see you in England... Uh, around an abortion clinic and you close your eyes, you get arrested. 
right now in England because they say you're praying against that abortion clinic already in the world we live in. Peter, they beat him. Don't you speak in that name of Jesus anymore. And Peter that used to run away now has power. He has the power of the Holy Spirit to be the witness God wants him to be. And he stands up and says, whether it's right to worship men or God, you, you say, but as for us, we cannot cease to teach and preach in the name of Jesus. We're not going to stop. You may beat us, you may kill us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego of the Old Testament. I don't know whether God will deliver us from that fiery furnace or not, but he will deliver us from you, O king, because we've got a higher purpose. And you do too, as servants of God. You are positioned by God, but you have power. How many times have you shared the gospel with you and with someone, and maybe your knees are shaking? That's good. When I get to talk with young men who are going in the ministry and they're going to preach their first sermon, many times they'll say, I'm so nervous. I said, good. I would worry about you if you're not nervous. Martin Luther, when he first served uh, communion, he shook so badly because he was handling the elements for Christ and he almost couldn't get through it. When we handle this precious word of God, we ought to do it shaking a little bit. The apostle Paul said, I came not to you with excellency of speech or persuasive words, but I came to you in much fear and trembling. We need to be humble and realize that this, this precious Bible, are the, it's the greatest words ever given. And it's okay to shake a little bit. But how many times when your knees knocking and you're sharing the gospel and then somebody gets saved and you're, you're just amazed you might tell somebody you're with, I think I did the worst presentation of the gospel there ever has been. But what happened? The power of God touched somebody and they got saved. I love that. It's not us. It's not our words. It's not our uh, intellect. It's not our charisma. It's the power of God. So you as a servant of Christ are positioned just like Paul was, but you're also given power to be his witness. It may be in your family. It may be at your job, school, church. could be across town. It could be in government. could be anywhere. But he gives you power. Trust in his power. I love it that Paul said in verse 8, to me the very least of all saints. Paul changes three times in his life. When he starts out as a young man, he said, I'm the least of the apostles. That's pretty humble, isn't it? Here he says, as he got a little bit older, I'm the least of all the saints, all the Christians. You know what he says when Paul the aged comes back and writes? I'm the chief of sinners. As he got older, he knew how much more God was and how much less he was. And I think, uh, isn't that the way with me? I, I have to say that in, in my own life. The more I know about God, the more I know about me. And I know I need him more. So he says, the least of the saints here, the, this grace was given. Grace, the power source to do God's supernatural will. Power, stay in Jerusalem until you receive on the day of Pentecost that we remember today. Power from on high. And those men lived the rest of their lives and suffered cruel deaths. And they would not, would not denounce Jesus. Robert Maltavon was a, was a professor at Criswell College, and he came to the church that I used to serve at, where Holly and I were for a lot of years, and he was from Romania. 
and he came to uh, preach and to share, and he also brought another man speaking Romanian, and he interpreted for him. But he shared about how his dad, this professor's dad, had had a neighborhood Bible study, and the communist regime in Romania before it changed had said, stop that, and he wouldn't do it. And all the people came to his home in the neighborhood to have a Bible study, and they eventually killed Robert's dad. Now, he's telling us here in the United States where we're under a lot of freedoms that other countries do not have. We may be experiencing the attack on that more than we ever have, but we still have much more than many other countries. His message that day to our church was, don't cave in. I just felt like the smallest Christian there ever was. They took his friend in the next room and said, all you have to do is denounce what you preached about Jesus and we'll stop. He could hear his son crying out because they were beating him and torturing him. And they said, all you have to do is stop talking about Jesus and we'll stop that. We ready to do that? We can't do it in our own power. God will give us supernatural power to face those days. In the book of Daniel, I was reading it one day years ago, and it's talking about the power of the enemy and all he's going to do and all he's going to do, and he's going to have this strength and this strength. You know, it's just kind of depressing. And then right in the middle of it, it says, but my people. Aren't you glad for one of those buts there in the scripture? But my people shall do mighty works, exploits, one version says. It's like God saying, yeah, there's going to be this going on. The enemy's going to do that, but don't you worry about it. I got your back. I want to give you power to do things you never dreamed of. You're going to be courageous in that day. I don't feel very courageous. You just keep serving the Lord, praying, trusting him, coming to church, being the servant of Christ. And when you need to be, he will make you courageous. That's what gives me courage. It's not up to me. Because they receive power. The servant of Christ is positioned by God. He's empowered by God also. The third one here. And he says here in verse, uh, the last of verse 8, to me, the very least of all saints, the, this grace was given. The third one is that the servant of the Lord has a purpose. Every one of us need a cause. We need a flag to rally around. Men especially, I think we have kind of inside of us the desire to do something big. We want to change the world somehow. That's just, uh, it's a part of all of us, really, men and women and young people. Well, God gives us a purpose, a flag to rally around, a cause. And notice what the cause was for Paul. To preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, to bring to light the, uh, the mystery, the hidden things, the manifold wisdom of God. You know what a manifold is on your car? A manifold are the pipes that come off the top. There's intake manifold and exhaust manifold. And those are the pipes. There's several of them, six, four, six, or eight. Don't have any 12 cylinders anymore, I don't guess. But that's where exhaust and fumes are spread out so they can get off the top of that engine or the bottom of the engine. And it's talking about there's so many different fingers in the manifold wisdom of God. And in the ministry, there's different fingers. That's why we all need each other. It's manifold. It's many, many places. That's what that word means. So Paul said, I have a purpose. 
And my purpose, as long as I'm alive, is to preach this gospel to the Gentiles. Peter's going to go to the Jews. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. <coughs> Excuse me. In verse 11, this was in accordance with the eternal purpose. And you, as a servant of Christ, have a purpose. Spurgeon said a great quote. He talked about shepherds in the church. He said, shepherds are born on purpose to care for people and cannot rest until they care for people. Isn't that simple but profound? You, as a servant of Christ, are born on purpose. God has a purpose, a place, power, and a purpose for you to serve him. And Paul's just saying, hey, I know what my purpose is. And in verse 12, in whom we have boldness. You need some boldness? I do. And confident access. I was teaching a class not long ago, and I asked him, where do our prayers go when we pray? Do they hit the ceiling and bounce back down? Well, in the book of Revelation, we find out that there's a golden bowl in, in heaven. And there's going to be some incense put in that bowl. And an angel's going to cast that bowl down to the earth at one time. When some of the events of the end of time are going to take place. But you know what else was in that bowl? The prayers of the saints. And Tommy taught something very important this morning. The saints in the New Testament is never used singularly. It never says saint so-and-so. It's talking about all of us together. The saints together. And so here... Um, he said the eternal purpose he carried out in Jesus Christ. We have boldness and we have confident access. We have access to go to God. We've got a ticket to get in. We know somebody. Have you ever gone to an event and you couldn't get in? Everybody's trying to get in, but you know the person putting on the event or you know somebody working there or you know the speaker or the singer and they say, they're with me. And you get to walk right past everybody else. Don't you just love that? Because you, it's who you know. You have access. You and I tonight, when we pray, we can boldly come unto the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Your prayers tonight can go into the throne room of God. Now, that's an amazing thing. Do you know how that verse goes on to say how we get there, though? By a new and living way, which was the blood of Christ. There was a price of the ticket. Have you ever tried to go to a concert recently? Uh, how much do those tickets cost? They cost more than Holly and my first house cost to get into some of these concerts. But that scripture says we can get in through the blood of Christ. He paid for the ticket. He made the the access. And when it says we can come boldly, and Paul said, I can't wait to preach this gospel to the Gentiles and let them know. And what is the purpose? The lost need to hear the gospel. You and I serve in Christ. Why does he not just save us, baptize us, and beam us up, Scotty? Wouldn't that be pretty cool? Just go right on to heaven. Why does he leave us here? Because there's a lot of lost people that haven't heard about him yet. And they need to hear the gospel and he wants to use everyday, ordinary people like you and me. Isn't that amazing? Secondly, they don't even, not only need to hear the gospel, they need to see the gospel. You know what that is? That's when I get that di diagnosis from the doctor that I was not waiting for and wish, not wishing for. But I walk through that, you walk through that with Christ. 
and the world's looking, how can they do that? How in the world can they have any peace or hope or how can they go through this? And they come up to you and say, tell me how you're getting through this. And you get to tell them his name's Jesus. Because they need to see Jesus in us. And that's the power and the purpose. He positions you. Are you where you're supposed to be? He gives you uh, the power to be what he calls you to be. God does not equip the called. He calls the he does not call the equipped. He equips the called. He doesn't say, you get all ready, and then I'll choose you. That's like uh, Jesus didn't say, uh, you guys are great fishermen, therefore you'll be great fishermen of men. No, he didn't say that. Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So a servant of Christ is positioned by God, given power by God, and he's given a purpose. She is given a purpose. And I just want to say that you and I are right there also. We are positioned by God, and we're also prepared by him. I was in, uh, I was in church at 6. I was in hospitals at 6 through 16. A mom that died, uh, and I was in all kinds of hospitals, VA hospitals. My mother was the meekest, kindest person I've ever met, and she was a staff sergeant in the Army. You know what I think of when I think of a staff sergeant? I think of this gigantic man that screams and hollers and makes you do all kinds of things you don't want to do. I watched Jesus live in my mom. And I needed to hear the gospel, but I also need to see the gospel. And to her dying breath, she was making sure her children were pointed toward Jesus. That's the heritage that I'm so grateful that she left. He prepares us. I didn't know it, but he prepared me to be with people as a pastor in times of suffering and struggles. And so it's nothing for me to go to. I've been there thousands of times to, to houses and hospitals and to do funerals and things because he prepared me for that it, from a little bitty boy. And I know the service you are serving Christ with right now, he has prepared you. If you look back over your life, he has prepared you for the work he's doing as a servant of Christ because he loves us and he wants to use us so greatly. So I just wanted to look at that passage tonight and I want to be a little bit shorter, but I wanted to tell you it's, a, it's an awesome privilege to serve Christ. Would you agree to be a servant of Jesus? Uh, he has called us and he's prepared us and he's given us a place to serve and he gives us the strength and the ability to serve. It gives us a purpose. It gives us a message to serve. I want to remind you of three people in the Bible before I close. One of them was David. Now, David and his men, who I refer to many times, his mighty men. David had, I believe, the most fierce, valiant men that have ever lived that fought the battles of God with him. One day as they were fighting the battles of God, David wistfully said, oh, that I had a drink from Bethlehem's well. David had grown up in Bethlehem and probably had drank out of that well many, many times. But he's saying, oh, how refreshing, how good, how wonderful it'd be for me to have a drink from Bethlehem's well. His mighty men heard that. And they fought through the Philistines, the mighty warriors of the Philistines, the enemy lines, and went to Bethlehem to that well. And they dipped it up with some kind of cup 
and they covered that so it wouldn't spill, and they fought back through the enemy lines, and they came and gave that cup to David. Do you not think that David knew that those men loved him? Those men knew David loved them, but now they prove that they loved him. You know what? That's what you and I are supposed to be doing with each other. We are supposed to be fighting through the enemy lines so that you can know blessing and you can know blessing and you can know blessing. Fight through the enemy lines. This Christian walk's not easy all the time. It's the only way to live. It'll be worth it one day when we hear a good and faithful servant entering the joy of your master. It'll all be worth it. But until that time, we've got to fight through the enemy lines. And I need to fight through the enemy lines for you. And I need you to fight through the enemy lines for me. They came and brought that drink and they gave it to David. And don't misunderstand what he did. He said, these men's lives are in this cup. They have put their lives on the line for their love for me. And he did one of the most honoring things he could do. He poured it out as a drink offering, as a sacrifice. He wanted to drink that water so badly. And you would think the human thing to do, I'm gonna drink it because these guys went and got it. One of the greatest things he could do, he was so moved, he gave a drink offering back to God and sacrificed it for these men's lives were in that cup. That's what servants of God do. It's not always easy. Maybe you've been in a church where you've had a church hurt before. It's not always easy. The most godly, loving people are in church. Some of the most mean people you ever meet are in church. It's the way it is. It'll be that way till we get heaven to heaven. Uh, you know what our missions pastor says all the time. He wants to be a pastor of no people Bible church. I think there's a lot to that. He's pretty smart. But as long as we're here, we're all broken. We're all fallen. We all need a savior constantly. But we need to be fighting through the enemy lines for one another. And that's what I pray that I'll have the boldness, courage, and strength to always do for you. Secondly, I want to remind you of a woman in in. Uh, uh, I want to remind you of the Apostle Paul again. Listen to these words in 2 Timothy 4, 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. In the future, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. But what am I preaching about tonight? Look at the rest of it. And not only to me, Paul says, but also to all who who have loved his appearing. That's you and me. Paul said, you got to fight the fight too, Mike. You got to keep the faith too. Servants of God, you got to continue to the end. He said, I'm about to be poured out as a drink offering. That means a sacrifice. Paul's getting up in age and he realizes he's about to die. And he said, but in the future, there is a crown of righteousness. I already know God's got it prepared and he's going to give it to me, but not just for me, everybody else who loves Jesus the same way. Isn't that great? You're in the Bible, because that's what he's talking about. All who love his appearing. Servants of Christ, we are to be poured out, a sacrifice for Jesus. Will it cost you? Yeah. But it's the greatest and worth everything you could give, the greatest way to live. And then finally, there's a woman in Luke chapter 7. And Jesus is preparing his apostles because he's about to go to Calvary. Uh, now think about that. Jesus knew what it was going to feel like. You and I wouldn't. He knew what the, Ro the Roman crucifixion was going to feel like. The nails in his hands and the, on his brow and in his side, through his feet. 
And the only time that we know of God told his son no. Do you and I as parents and grandparents have to tell our children sometime no for their good? Jesus prayed, Father, if it be possible. He called him Abba. Only two times in the New Testament did Jesus use the word Abba. You know what that means? Daddy. Daddy. If it be possible, let this cup, the cup of suffering, Calvary, pass from me. And God loved Jesus more than anybody. He loves you and me more than anybody can. But he told his old son that day, no. And Jesus said, if the only way it'll pass, I drink it, not my will, but your will be done. He said to his father in heaven, I'm a human asking you now to take this away from me, but if the only way that salvation can be given to these people, I'll drink it if that's your will. And God told his son, no. So he could tell you and me, yes. It's an honor to serve. A woman in Luke chapter 7, knowing that Jesus' time was very short, took an alabaster box of ointment, of perfume, probably a family heirloom that cost and had been saved for a long time. It would have been very, very valuable. And the scripture says, and standing behind him, she didn't even dare to stand in front of Jesus. At his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with his perfume. Jesus would later on say, she's anointing my body for burial. And I've thought about that alabaster box of ointment that you would break open And the fragrance of that perfume would go throughout the whole building that you were gathered in. That alabaster box of ointment was broken and spilled out for Jesus. You know what happened to Jesus? He was broken and spilled out as the greatest sacrifice ever given for you and me. He was broken and spilled out and used up. And we as servants of Christ just need to keep on. I know it's hard to get up on Monday morning sometimes. We just need to keep on. I know it's hard for a single mom to take care of all the things she does. We just need to keep on. I know it's hard for uh, you and the circumstances you face financially, maybe mentally, emotionally. All across our country, we have many, many people. We've got to just keep on. And we've got to be broken, spilled out, and used up. For Jesus. He was the greatest example, and I want to be broken, spilled out, and used up for him. So I just want to say uh, this passage is so great because Paul is just encouraging, and he's encouraging with uh, the life that is a tremendous example, sitting in prison, sitting in prison talking about how excited he is to go tell the Gentiles they can be saved too. I'd be having a pity party. I'd be asking for the whole world to cry for me. I would be asking for all kinds of things. And Paul's excited that he gets to share the gospel with the Gentiles. We're all in it together. I just want to encourage you, keep on keeping on. Evening service, every one of you that's been faithful, just keep on keeping on. Don't you let anything stop you from being the servant of Christ. Position where God wants you. Find out where he wants you and get there. Trust in his power. He'll prepare you as he always does. He'll give you his power and he'll give you his purpose. 
And when we see that in people's lives, we know they're headed for that great day when we get to go be with Jesus. And he says, well done. The Bible teaches us Jesus is going to present us to the Father. Hey, God, Father, she's one of ours. Welcome. He's one of ours. Come on in. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy. Enter into the rest of your master. I want to say to all of you, I'm thankful for these people, as I said, that do the music up here. The people back there, those faithful men that have done the audio video for all these years, so many years. The faithful ones here, one of our elders here and his wife, the faithful ones that have been ushers and greeters, shepherds in this, in this, uh, uh, this service for many, many, many years. I don't know how many years Penny was here in this service. Many, many years. Thankful for all of you. I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, I love every one of you. And nobody's going to rob me from being able to say that. I love you. And you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. You are servants of Jesus. And I'm truly grateful for, for the opportunity for these last few years to help serve in this place. I love you with all my heart. And I'm grateful for you. And I want to tell you, it's been a privilege. It's been an honor to serve you. And it's been an honor to serve with you. And as that song says that I read earlier, it's an honor to serve, to join in the fight, to lift up my voice and to lay down my life, giving glory to God. And that's my prayer, seeking none in return. It's an honor, an honor to serve. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the Apostle Paul that you put in the right place. You prepared him. You gave him power. You gave him the right purpose. And although he's sitting in prison, he can't wait to share the gospel with the Gentiles. And he did finish the, the race. He fought the good fight. And I know you had that crown ready for him. And he was careful to say, it's not just for me, but it's also for all those people on the evening service at Denton Bible Church. Because that's what that really means. Also, all those that love Jesus is appearing. We're waiting for that same thing. And so, Father, we say to you tonight, it's been an honor to serve you. The greatest and highest privilege to hold this Bible in our hands and in our heart and to share this gospel with the lost people to watch your power work and save their lives. And I pray, Lord, for every one of these dear people, the volunteers, the staff, the ones that are faithful to come to this service throughout all the years. I thank you for Tommy, for all the years he poured into everyone that came. And Lord, we've only just begun because you have good things ahead for us. And I thank you personally for the privilege that you gave me to be with these great people. Dear Jesus, I love you. And it's an honor to serve you. In your name we pray.